This is the Ukramedia Podcast, episode number 60. Today on the podcast. If your work is everything for you, every criticism will be an attack to you. So for me, the solution is realizing that you're not what you do. Your work does not define you. At least that, you know, that's what I believe. That there should be more important things to you that even if terrible comment happens or even something awfully happens, uh, you can still keep the perspective and know that, you know, at the end, that's just a video. Hey, Ukramedia family, welcome to another episode of the Ukramedia podcast. I'm your host, Vladimir Praknevsky, and today's guest is the one and only Jorge Canedo, and I hope I said his name right. He's also known as J.R. Knest. This is a man who doesn't really need an introduction because most of you have heard of him. He's the founder of Wine After Coffee and Blend Festival in Vancouver, Canada. He worked for some big studios like Giant Ant and Buck, and just recently, Jorge launched his own studio called Ordinary Folk. In other words... Jorge is a busy man. And in this episode, we talk about his family life, his creative journey, and his new studio, of course. But before we jump into my conversation with JR Knest, I want to quickly tell you about our brand new product called Smart Lower Third. It's a keyframeless and modular lower third template for After Effects. It allows users to create many custom modular lower thirds from just a single After Effects template. It is very easy to use, quick to make changes, and it comes with 30 lower third presets for After effects. You can check it out at euchromedia.com slash smart L3RD. Again, it's euchromedia.com slash smart L3RD. And now here's my conversation with J.R. Knest. Enjoy. Jorge, welcome to the show. First, congratulations on launching your own studio. That's a huge deal. I know this is something you've been dreaming about for a long time, so we'll definitely talk about that later in the podcast. But before we jump into talking about your new studio and your creative journey, Share something interesting about yourself that most people don't know. Oh, right. Well, thanks for having me. This is uh, this is awesome. And um, you've been putting some great work, so it's an honor to be here. So let's see. <laughs> something that people don't know about me. Maybe maybe a lot of people don't know that I was a pretty hardcore gamer. <laughs> really? What kind of games? Yeah. Um, I was very much into strategy games at the beginning, like... Starcraft, I would play it all the time, and Age of Empires, and eventually got. I was working at a game center, built a bit of computers oh. and stuff, and worked at. Uh, you know, I got paid pretty much to play Call of Duty all day long. Um, so maybe that's a fun little nugget. <laughs> Not a lot of people know, but any sports games like FIFA? You're you're from uh, Bolivia, so I am from Bolivia. I used to play FIFA, and there was and there was another one for PlayStation One that wasn't FIFA. I almost forgot the name. Eleven something. It was like the Asian version of FIFA, and it was a lot better. I thought. Um, <laughs> That's a. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, I, I did play that too. That's pretty cool. And I was just looking through your website. I also found out your your wife is also very creative. She's a photographer, right? She runs. A, yeah, a, she, has yeah, a, she's quite super a talented. Following. Yeah, no, she, she's she's amazing. I mean, most of the time, it, it worked out great because um, she also wants to be able to spend time with, with our, our two boys that are growing very fast. And she kind of started photography as a hobby. And when we got married, we were kind of like, you know, you should go for it. Like, I thought, you know, there was no reason why she wasn't going for it. And I think she's so talented and she's super inspiring. So it's very... Uh, you know, in a way, it's actually kind of awesome in a selfish way because 
she takes such awesome pictures of all our memories. <laughs> Looking back, it's like she makes a, a photo album of all our lives. And, you know, a lot of her favorite photos are like personal photos. So, yeah, but it's it's really a blessing to have someone like her that also have a kind of a creative mindset. And so she's able to like help me with projects. And she's also the voice of reason in many ways with with any incoming projects that I think they might be doable. And I talk to her about it and I realize that they're not. <laughs> but no, yeah, yeah she's yeah. awesome. That's, that's pretty cool. And her work is beautiful. I was looking at this one picture where you were wash, washing a kid in the sink and it was like, take it from the angle. And then your other son was jumping in the room same time. It was pretty sweet how she, she uh, put that together. Yeah. It was awesome. I thought it was pretty cool. Yeah, that's one of my favorite ones too. It was um, it was like in the moment. It was really mm-hmm. random. I was just doing that. And I was like, stay there. <laughs> like, wait, what? <laughs> she like took it. Yeah, it was it was like all those colors contrasted and complement each other. Like it was it was awesome. Now you have two boys. How old are your boys? Uh, the oldest is four and a half, and the youngest is just over a year. Oh wow, wow! I have two boys as well. The oldest one is five, and the youngest one is three. So. Okay, I can definitely relate. Two boys yeah. in the house. I'm sure there's a lot of uh, tackling, fighting. Oh yeah, I, I wouldn't I even know ask. what it's like to to raise a girl. <laughs> now thinking about it, it's like, man, I don't. I, boys would just bark at him, like, "Hey guys, <laughs> go go to your room, get out of here." With a girl, you would have to be diplomatic. You would have to kind of like, I don't know, approach a little different. My surrogate, yeah, my twin totally. brother, as a boy and a girl, and uh, yeah, it's it's a different ball game. Are you guys done? Any more kids on the way? Uh, well, I don't think we're done. But, uh, you know, we'll see. <laughs> uh, we definitely want to, uh, like, actually, I always wanted, I always thought I was going to be, like, a dad of a girl. Mm. I also saw myself as a dad pretty early on. And I, I even had a name <laughs> early on. But, um, so it was it was kind of surprised that the first one was a boy and then the second one also a boy. So, but we definitely want a girl. So, you know, I uh, can we'll relate see, to that. We'll see how it goes. Because I had a dream, like with my first son, I was convinced that uh, it was a girl because I had a dream. And basically, I saw a girl that was like mini version of my wife. And she just like waved at me and just looked just like my wife when she was a kid. And I was convinced that we we're going to have a girl. <laughs> and so I'm the same way. I mean, I think we're down with two, but who, you know, who knows? Uh, maybe we'll have a little girl. So that'll be kind of, <laughs> again, I don't know how how to raise a little girl. It's going to be an interesting adjustment, but it's going to be a good experience. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's a lot of different from what I hear. Uh, but yeah, when you say you had two boys, I was just about to ask. So, so how many times a night like do you have to wrestle with them? Because they would not. Oh my let gosh! <laughs> the first thing they asked me. And it's not like, like, you know, like, uh, like I, I told him that we were going to start wrestling. He just, he just started want, like at dinner. His first question is like, so, um, um, dad, um, um, are we going to wrestle tonight? <laughs> <laughs> it's like the first thing he asks. It, it's, it's hilarious. Well, and my oldest, uh, he's like obsessed with football, American football, unfortunately. Well, I do like American football too, but I'm a huge <laughs> soccer fan. But it's kind of my fault because I'm a huge Ohio State football fan. So we watched it. Now he like memorizes plays and like throws the football oh, wow. perfectly. And yeah, he would like always just want to play tackle football and there would like tackle on the bed. And I mean, I kind of want him to do that. I think it's, I don't know, they're on the bed, so there's no, there's nothing dangerous. Right, happen. right, right. Until that one time they hit the edge of, the, you know, of some desk somewhere, and they oh, start yeah. getting concerned. There's always one time. I remember once <laughs> early on, and we were all like wrestling. Like my wife was in it there too, and and 
I, I think I just got too excited and I just threw, <laughs> I shouldn't even be saying this. I threw that, I threw him into the bed and he was supposed to stay in the bed, but somehow he hit in a funny way that he actually oh. bounced, bounced off the bed onto the floor. And he loved oh. it. He wanted to do it again, <laughs> but I was like, I was terrified. I was like, oh no, oh no. Uh, but <laughs> Speaking of hurting children, I, we were in, uh, <laughs> I think we were at the, in California for vacation and they had a sliding door. It was like first night at the resort. And I remember we were, we went to, what's the burger joint? I forget. It's uh, the famous burger joint. In and out. Oh my gosh. How could I forget? So we were in in and out. I mean, we don't have it on the East coast. So we were just like, I took a picture. We sat like in the handicapped area and then not even an hour later, we were at the resort. And my kid, I was coming out or came inside the house. I didn't notice that my, at the time he was like two or something. Didn't notice he was right behind me and I was sliding the door. And those doors were, that door was so heavy. And I kind of pretty much hurt him big time. His toe was, uh, didn't make it or he, oh, anyway, no. long story short, I almost like cut his toe off. We had to go to the oh. emergency room. They had to remove a toenail and, uh, it it turned out to be a very costly vacation. Yeah, I'll never forget no it. Oh man! Uh, well, anyway. the good note is that you had In and Out. I mean, it's amazing yeah. burger. <laughs> In and Out is great, man. Speaking of In and Out, I love the simplicity of it. They don't have very many things on the menu, but the few things they do have is just amazing. It's kind of like a perfect design, you know. It's mm-hmm. just too much sometimes complicates things. You know, less is more kind of thing, and that's yeah. how I feel about In and Out. They don't have much. I think there's like three things to choose from, like a cheeseburger, a hamburger, and maybe something else. Yeah. But the quality is just amazing. Yeah, every time I go to California, thing. I have to get it. I, it's a tradition now. Yeah, anyway, yeah. anyway, <laughs> with, before, let's start from the very beginning, man. Tell us how you get started in motion graphics. All right. So I'll try to keep it short. Um, <clears throat> um, I started, I was born and raised in Bolivia. And um uh, you know, I was kind of like a classic kid into Legos, trying to draw and copy certain things. But then my brother kind of started getting into a film kind of ideas. I think it was through an assignment that they gave us in school, which was quite unusual, actually. They were like, oh, if somebody owns a camera, you should start making short films or something. My brother started doing that with my parents' camera. And that kind of started it all. Like him and I started doing like stuff motion and we used to watch like action league now and shows like that where it was like so easily stop motiony and we call it chuckimation um and i would just like bring it into my dad's notebook what was it called again back then anyway one of the early laptops mm, with iMovie and we had to buy like a special cable to bring in and it was like super expensive <laughs> but yeah i started kind of like just editing and windows movie maker and iMovie and stuff like that and realized that i enjoyed doing those stuff um, almost as much as like the stop motion thing and filming so that's kind of where where the digital side of me started and my brother kept um, going more towards film and he's actually a director and writer and um, agency or freelancing in bolivia so he's still doing doing this kind of stuff but then I, I kind of like got introduced to Flash through some friends and then started making action script and stick figures fighting in Flash, like Xiao Xiao and stuff, stuff like that. And, and that led me to like get into After Effects and get my first gig through my mom, basically, and just found tutorials online. And um, in a way, you know, it, everything online was in English. And I'm a Spanish speaking, but um, it was only because of all those tutorials and stuff that, you know, we did learn English in school, but I never really practiced it. But it was through those tutorials that I was starting to learn stuff. 
and yeah, and just Andrew Kramer tutorials and learning how to do Instagram. After Effects. Yeah, and I'd say I was about when I first dove in After Effects, maybe twelve or so, maybe even younger. Anyway, around that age. So that that that's kind of how it all began, and eventually moved to Mexico when I was fifteen. My mom was Mexican, and there I was in high school and somehow I got a job offer to actually do motion graphics because I was kind of doing it. So I got my first job there for three months, which was a bit of a disaster. And then I actually, I, I never even considered about taking this as a full-time job. I was like, well, as a kid, I wanted to be an architect and I loved, you know, because I loved Legos and drawing basically, even though I, I didn't really draw that much anymore at that time because I don't really know how to draw. I was just copying stuff. But I was like, I'll go to industrial design. That seems like the perfect in-between for my <laughs> uh, desires. <laughs> and in between high school and starting industrial design, there was a VFS competition uh, to make a video about what matters to you. You can still find it online. Uh, so I did that and I actually was one of the three winners, which was an incredible blessing. And um, yeah, so I, I, I started industrial design. And for those who have done under industrial design know that the first six months is basically drawing straight lines <laughs> like you're just uh, and it was a lot of fun I learned a lot but um you know after I got the scholarship for VFS fully paid it was like that's it I'm going and then for VFS I did a bunch of pieces one of them got me an internship at Buck then after Buck I wanted to move back to Vancouver to be with my now wife and so the only studio basically that took me was Giant Ant and this was back in the day 2011 and then was there for four and a half years, almost five years, and, you know, learned everything I know pretty much from them, and I love those people. And then went freelance, and now started my own studio. My goodness, man, you're, you're like us, truly an immigrant. You've been everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 yeah, very true. Now, I'm curious, because you said you were learning from a bunch of tutorials, and uh, you said you watched a lot of Andrew Kramer's tutorials, right, from Video Copilot. How cool was it? I mean, you're I, I, you're obviously up there with those guys, but you were just at Motion Plus Design in, in uh, Los Angeles. How cool was it to share this, this stage with Andrew Kramer? It was pretty crazy. I had met him before at uh, because we had him as a speaker at Blend, which is um, a little event uh, that we put here in Vancouver every couple of years. But yeah, it was definitely like it's definitely special to to meet someone that um, they have no idea how much they've affected your career. But yeah, that, that whole event was incredibly humbling. It was just sharing the stage with such giants. It was, yeah, it's it's very, it's crazy to think that actually happened. What what other tutorials did you watch? I'm just curious. Well, actually, I started with the tutorial world. It was mostly before videos were out there. So when I started to learn Flash, like I, I just couldn't really find any tutorials and stuff online, but it was everything in like, forums i don't know if you remember that it was all like <laughs> like i think it was kirupa forum that i think is still out there there was a lot of like action script questions and things like that so i i just kind of like went in there and started asking questions and it wasn't until later on that i found i think it was the after effects training from video copilot or something that basically taught you the software from scratch that, uh, that those were kind of the tutorials that I started looking. And to be honest, I was, I, I was still, um, I can be very impatient when it comes to tutorials. It's like the reason, usually when I'm watching a tutorial, it's not necessarily because I'm trying to 
learn something from scratch is usually because I, I, I know specifically what I want. I just don't know how to do it. And basically, I'm just looking for like the first tutorial I watched. It was like, how do you put a keyframe and make a solid move in After Effects? Like that, that, that. And like pretty much every tutorial started with that. So the, after the first, whatever, 15 seconds of it, I was able to do that. So I would just stop watching that tutorial and go just click around and then something broke and then go back to that tutorial and see what, <laughs> what, what was next, you know? Yeah. Um, so I got pretty impatient with those, but, uh, but, but the reality is that I've learned pretty much everything from those and much more, even, even when I was learning flash or I was trying to learn flash, I've convinced my mom to, um, get me into this little workshop of sorts with a flash designer in, in Bolivia. And, um, they were like super web focused. So like, I wasn't really learning any of the stuff that I wanted to learn. So I found the stuff online a lot more, more helpful. You know, it's interesting, like we've been doing tutorials for a long time on you media YouTube channel, but recently, like within just a few months, we've been doing just quick daily tips to like between 30 seconds to a minute. And it's interesting how those tips are so much more popular than the long tutorials. I, th I feel like the trend is now going to just quick tips. Nobody has the time to watch, you know, 20, 30 minute tutorials, even five minutes. People are getting more impatient. They just want to find, like you were saying, that one solution, just move on instead of, you know, watching something completely from scratch. So when you yeah, said that, that and, reminded me of it. Absolutely. And, and like I was saying just before we started recording, it's like I, I've watched the stuff that you guys have done, like recently, like all those expression tips that you have, mm -hmm. like those two full videos. And it's like, it, it's so many nuggets there that I've like totally used after. Um, it's oh, super cool. helpful to just like, kind of like, it, it's like little tools that you can just quickly add into your toolbox, which in a way, I think in, in a way it can be a bit, I don't want to say more helpful, but you're giving the tools, but you're not ending with a specific result. I feel like a lot of tutorials, because they end in a very specific result, obviously you learn from the process and everything, but you're, you at the same time, you kind of are following certain steps to end with a similar result. But when you're just throwing nuggets in there, then it's up to the viewer or whatever to to come up with something uh, using these new tools that they've acquired. So it's it's yeah, it's it's very cool that you guys do that too. Definitely, and I'll tell Sergey that because he's definitely a huge fan of yours. So he'll be he'll be happy to hear that. Probably makes it <laughs> will make his day for sure. Now you mentioned that you have some industrial design experience, and which you know now looking at your work, it makes sense because you work a lot with shapes and. And which reminds me, we have one person from the community who wants to ask you a question. His name is Anderson. He lives in Jacksonville, Florida, but he's originally from Brazil. So he, I guess he's a neighbor or was a neighbor when you lived yeah, in yeah. Bolivia. He said, now there's a lot of questions. So let me read. It's kind of like a lot of questions within a question. <laughs> how are you so good with shapes and how can I get better with circles, squares and triangles? Is there a shape study or architect study you gain your knowledge? Hmm. How can you help others see shapes like you see them so wow. that's a, a simple question right <laughs> <laughs> um that's a very good question and I'll, I'll start by saying that i don't necessarily know exactly how to answer but i'll do my best so my my taste for uh, more abstract geometric stuff um it's always been there i have to say like i even from like when i was a kid and i would see you know whatever art that is put before you, whether in school or whatever that is, I always lean towards more, like I was never necessarily blown away by a perfectly 
picturesque painting, even though I could acknowledge that it was beautiful and that I liked it. It was more like something that was like a simple square with a few lines around it. And like, I, I just found that more interesting. So a lot of it was, I have to start by saying that it's my taste, like I've always leaned towards um, that kind of art, I guess you could say. And the other one, it was uh, kind of out of necessity. So when I started uh, doing stuff in Flash, I realized that everything I did pretty much sucked. And it was because it was all dependent on knowing how to draw. So I was like, well, stick figures, that's easy to draw. And, you know, it, it was still pretty bad. So when I figured out that you could do, you know, just geometric stuff in After Effects, I was like, oh, you know, here I don't need to worry too much about drawing and I can focus more on how things move. So I kind of like, I was able to just focus more on animation. And that's what happened to me at VFS too in school. I was like, what projects that I'm going to do, I do a I did a title sequence there. I was like, I'm going to focus on what I think I'm decent at and try to get better at that, which was keyframe animation of shapes, basically. In terms of how to get better at that, <laughs> I don't really know how to answer that because for me, it's only, it's, it's like most things, I guess, it's just practice and developing that, that taste, I'd say. And one thing that I feel, especially in, in keyframe shape animation that it requires is that it's a kind of different way of thinking. Like I, I, like I've, I'm good friends with Enrique Barone, for example, who's ridiculous frame by frame animator who's freelancing now. He was a giant ant. But uh, like when we talked about different projects, like his way of approaching animation was almost completely different than my way of approaching animation. Like I would approach it from almost more of a engineering problem solving perspective. And he would approach it from more of a like, let's get drawing already, you know, like, like it's almost like more artistic approach. And I think um, not that, not to say that he can't he wouldn't be able to do animations like I do. I know that I would I wouldn't be able to do animations like he does. But I think like there's a certain mentality that is different, like one that is more engineering almost focus. Like I feel like After Effects attracts a lot of people that are interested in like math and problem solving with the software because it kind of has like it, it's not a very artistic looking software. Like it has a lot of technicalities. And I think like it naturally attracts people that are maybe focused on um, more, um, you know, geometric stuff or more like detailed keyframe stuff, as opposed to like maybe Photoshop or Flash where it's a black canvas and you can just start drawing off the bag, which I feel like it attracts a different kind of um, approach to things. So I think me being maybe more towards the problem solving kind of like technical side of things has also helped me to just focus on making the animations as smooth as possible and breaking it and failing. <laughs> and the other thing about shapes is that it's, um, you know, a lot of people say, oh, your style is a lot of shapes, but, and I do like that, but I, I would never want to just do that. Like I, I would never just want to do that style. But one thing that it's cool about this kind of style is that it's easily, um, like you can start again kind of easily. So for example, if I have a transition and I do it all from start to finish, but then I realize that it's not working, I can easily kind of like start again without having to recreate a whole ton of assets. And I feel like that's one key thing that I've learned in the past is that sometimes when you focus too much on rigging something or focus too much on this or that, this technicality, when you realize that it's not working, 
then you're like, well, you know, I, I, I can't go back. I rigged it that way. Or it's like, I can't go back. It's, it's just built that way, you know? And I was like, well, if you're not willing to throw that away to make the animation better, then, you know, I don't know what to tell you, right? Like it's, uh, I think one needs to be willing to just start from scratch. And um, that's one thing that I've learned a lot, like working now with Victor and Greg, like they are very patient. <laughs> I'm very willing to like tell me when I need to, when something's not good enough. And they're very willing to listen to that too. Mm. What should MoGraph artists, especially students, should be doing constantly, whether it's on a daily basis or just as much as possible? What do you think? If you had to give someone that advice, what would you say? Hmm, that's a good question. I think for I can speak for my experience. And my experience wasn't necessarily as much as like, you need to do all these animation exercises every day because that didn't necessarily work for me. And that's um, not necessarily what I, like when I get home, I want to spend time with my family. Right. Um, so, but for me, what really pushed me, it was constantly being surrounded by people better than me. So the moment that I went to Giant Ant and even starting in school, I realized like all these people knew so much from me and being able to just work alongside with them every day at VFS, at Buck, at Giant Ant, that's what really helped me. So it wasn't necessarily like an individual exercise that I need to do every day to get better. It was just making sure that the bar was always set higher than me with everybody that was around me. And that just continually pushed me, whether the project was super exciting or not. It was like, well, these people next to me are doing this amazing stuff. I better like, <laughs> you know, get better at whatever it is that I'm doing instead of like going home and trying my own thing, if that makes any sense. No, that's well said. And you're, you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. And if you spend with some talented, you know, time with some talented people, you're going to be growing big time. I mean, just to get out there, you kind of have to go up quite a bit. I remember Sergey was telling me when he started working at Fox Sports as an animator there, he told me how just being in the room with a bunch of creatives, how much that helped them because you have all these people to to ask questions, right? And expectations are different and you're performing on a totally different level. So yeah, it's I think it's definitely healthy for us, for sure. Yeah, well said. and I think... I think one thing that is maybe even challenging because I've, I've said this to, to students before and it's like, well, I, I, no one will give me an internship, right? Like, or, or, or I, I, how am I going to get into the bucks? Especially now, I feel like it was a lot harder before. It was a lot easier before because it wasn't as saturated. There wasn't as much talent out there, I feel like. Right. Um, so, but what, what I'd say, I think that's where, you know, we have a very unique awesome and helpful community almost everywhere you look in in the motion design studio and the motion design industry and it is very unique compared to others like i know people that have moved from other industries into the motion design i was like well you guys actually help each other out online and i feel like that's also that's something true. it will never be the same as working next to someone but i feel like that shouldn't be an excuse not i feel like that should always be your first choice but if you're not able to get into a team with a bunch of people that are better than you I feel like there's always ways to like do it online and then a lot of people compare their work and share it with work on different channels on twitter and instagram and stuff so it's not ideal but I, there's still a way if that makes sense no that's i'm glad you said that because sometimes people reach out to me and say hey i live in a third world country how am i, I can't make it because you know i'm mm -hmm. I'm in this third world country. I can't get out. Well, thank God to internet. I mean, there are no borders there, right? You can get active in communities and people will, if, you, if your work is great, people will notice you. Yeah. And uh, 
that's a good start there, right? Would you agree with that? Absolutely. And I think, I mean, it, it's easy, it's easy to say, um, but I think it's also, I think it's important to acknowledge that a lot of people that are already kind of insecure and I know, you know, from my own work, they're like putting themselves out there. It's a hard thing to do. And I think that's why it's important to like, I, I mean, I do my best. I don't always able to do it, but in some ways, when your work is recognized and it's out there, in a way, you have a bit of a responsibility to help those who don't have the confidence to, to do the same. So it's easy for us to say, oh, you should just put your work out there. But it's sometimes it's, it's, there are certain personalities or, you know, everybody has a different life walk or whatever that is that, that are just like, well, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily want to do that. Or, so I think it, it, there's also our side of things that we need to encourage people to do that even when you don't feel like it's comfortable or you're scared or whatever that is i think um, it's it's terrifying because it will probably show that you're uh, if it was anything like me it will not only show that you're <laughs> worse than you thought you were but that there's a whole lot more that you need to learn that it's it can be completely overwhelming but i mean it, it's part of the process just learning more that's true and you were talking about how putting your work out there and all this criticism, especially, you know, people are pretty brave behind keyboard, <laughs> behind computers, yeah. you know, people say some harsh things, especially on Reddit, right? You put something up and I'm curious, how do you deal with negative criticism? That's a good question. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I we've, we've had a fair bit of um, negative criticism and um, I, I like to, I don't really, I don't really even know how to to deal with it properly because I mean, it's almost really impossible to focus only on the, on the positive. Like if there's like a hundred positive comments, but there's like one negative, I feel like most people would like hone in into that one That's negative true. and they were like, so forget about the rest. And then just focus on that. So part of me wants to say, just focus on the positive, but you know, that doesn't work for me. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know if it would work for many other people. I think, I think one of the things to be able to separate yourself from the work you know, if, if your work is everything for you, every criticism will be an attack to you. So for me, the solution is realizing that you're not what you do. Your work does not define you. At least that, you know, that's what I believe. That there should be more important things to you that even if terrible comment happens or even something awfully happens, uh, you can still keep the perspective and know that, you know, at the end, that's just a video. And I'm sure that there's something that you can learn from it. And maybe you did mess up and the criticism is valid. And if the more angry you are, <laughs> if you're like me, <laughs> yeah. the, it usually is related to how true the comment is. <laughs> uh, because if in you, you probably know that, you know, there's some validity to that criticism. Mm -hmm. But I think it's important to, to step, step back. Um, and another thing that I do as a general rule is I, I don't like um, online discussions at all. Like I just, I would way rather talk to someone and or email them personally instead of doing a shout out match in social media. So I yeah, think right. being able to not reply right away, let it sleep and then try to figure out with that person first before like public shaming or, or whatever. I feel like there's wise ways to go about it. But at the end of the day, it's it's going to hurt a bit and you got to acknowledge that. And as long as you have something that is more important than your work, um, 
uh, yeah, I mean, I guess that's the way I deal with it, but I don't always deal with it very well, you know. <laughs> you can ask my wife. I go, I go through like <laughs> bi-weekly depressed <laughs> moments. I think that's just, that's just the journey of a creative because people are sensitive to their work. And I, I like how you said, don't attach your identity on your, you know, if your identity is built around your work, you're just building something though. You're opening, you're giving yourself opportunities to fail because yeah. if you're as good as your last performance, and you're attaching your identity on that. That's just, you're going to have a bad day, right? And uh, the way I see it, you know, people leave negative comments here and there on our, on our YouTube channel. And sometimes people send some negative things. The way I see it, man, is that hurting people hurt others. Somebody's frustrated by something else in their life. And I'm just there kind of taking some of the heat. You know, it's kind of, I used to work in a hospital for five years when I was in college. And I'll never forget this. There was a guy who, his mom was pretty much on her deathbed. She was in the coma. She's pretty much gone, right? And he came in and he was bossing everybody around. He was a jerk. And everybody's like, wow, what a jerk. Her son was just, just complicated. It was, was really hard to deal with. But then come to find out is that he never stayed in touch with his mom. He was just too busy. And so he's dealing with all that guilt and all that stuff that, you know, he feels like he's responsible for or I guess feels like he never had a proper goodbye. And so he's dealing with those emotions, but he's not handling well. So he's trying to boss everybody around to take care of his mom out of guilt. And so that's just a small example, but yeah. you know, that's how I look at negativity. And Sergey, I love how he deals with it. He just likes their comments, uh, comment and subscribes to their YouTube channel. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's how he deals with it. Yeah. And, and I think it's also like, I think what you're saying is very true. Like, everybody comes from somewhere and I think empathy and putting ourselves in other people's shoes and do to others as we would want them do to us. I feel like, you know, it's a, it's a very important thing to live by at the same time. I know there is a room for disagreements and, and there is a room for like arguments like that. And I think, at the same time, you need to find a way to not take it personally to be able to have a meaningful conversation. Um, yeah. So it's it's a tricky balance, though, because we take it, especially I uh, feel like as artists, the designers, I don't even know if we should call ourselves artists, but <laughs> as designers, at least, <laughs> like because our work is so it can be so personal, like we're putting it's like our output, right? Like it's like what we're doing. It's really hard for us to separate ourselves from it and, and have proper disagreements or, or whatever it is. So it's, yeah. And it hurts the most when people call you out on something that you're very insecure about. That hurts right. the worst, especially right. it's an area where you're weak in and then somebody calls you out on that and you know they're right and you're just kind of like yeah. in a way embarrassed and ah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. That's I, I, I guess you, got, you guys probably get a lot more. Than, I mean, we will get a few little comments here and there, but but by putting your all the tutorials out there and stuff and on YouTube, I, I'm I'm sure that you know a lot more how it is to deal with criticism than we. No, honestly, do. we not like we're probably just a total maybe like a five people over the last three years. It says something. That, you know, it's because we're from another country, Ukraine at the time, Ukraine and Russia right. had the whole thing, and Ukraine media is part of you know Ukraine and media together. So some people made comments like, "Oh, you, you're promoting some kind of political agenda." We, we right. came up with a name like years and years ago before way before all this stuff came up so it's there we got some heat over that but nothing major i mean honestly it right. was all good but uh, it, you know i think people overall people are reasonable i think everybody wants to everyone wants to do wants to do good you know 
Yeah. Well, I I wanna I wanna um, just you know commend you for what you do because putting I I know like I did an online class and I have done like a few live streams and it takes a lot of work to be able to communicate it well and know your craft and not trip and make it clear and put it out there just for people to find it helpful. And I think what you guys are doing, I know that a lot of people can like criticize it, but once you know how much work goes into it, and I know that you guys have been doing it for a long time and I know that you've helped a ton of people. I just want to say thank you on behalf of all the community. Thank you, man. And speaking of your work, I mean, it's beautiful. Everybody knows it. I mean, you're like the, the man, the myth, the legend here. And uh, <laughs> my uh, youngest brother actually took your course. And he, uh, which I didn't realize you have one in Spanish too, right? Is it the same? No, I'm not sure if it's the same thing. But I, I thought I saw something in Spanish as well, which is kind of cool. So you're like catering to two different audiences, which is pretty sweet. Are you, are you thinking about coming out with more Spanish created content? Sorry, sir, you cut out for the past five seconds. Can you repeat that? Oh, no. Are you, I, was, I noticed that you also have a, a course in Spanish. Are you thinking about, uh, which is kind of cool because now you're catering to like two different crowds. Are you thinking about coming up with new uh, or content for the Hispanic people as well, for Spanish speaking? Yeah, well, I, I mean, I hope so. Um, like with that project or that that class i guess you know they flew me to peru to do with Krana, and it was for me not a money making thing it was more of like giving back uh, because um you know like it's it's a lot harder to get that or to pay for an expensive course that is targeted to you as audience in south america yeah like it's so it was a very close to my heart to be able to give back because i definitely always wanted to do that i do hope that i can get to do that more but honestly it's it's hard, so hard to find the time I find it sometimes easier to just like do a little workshop here and there um, so I can just like focus and actually meet the people and help them instead of like putting out a course um, that takes so much work. But yeah, I, I, I hope that, um, you know, there's been a, there's been a revival, if you want to say, I found in a few South American countries where they're like starting motion design festivals. There's one coming up in Ecuador with some killer speakers there was one in Guatemala that I had the privilege to be part of. And, you know, there's always been some in Mexico and I feel like it's moving closer and closer to home. Uh, so it's very exciting for me to see that and that they're, you know, caring for talent. So I hope that I get to do more of those for sure. Oh, that's awesome. Now, all right, let's transition to a dark moment in your life. <laughs> I want you to tell us the story of your worst moment in your creative field. So take it away. Don't hold back any bunches. We're ready. <laughs> You know, go that, deep, go a, deep. That, yeah, that's a that's a tricky one because I have my like I have a lot of a lot of like downs. Like I was telling you earlier, like almost every two weeks, like where I feel like my work is terrible. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> you and me Why both, am I doing? And, and I feel like it's very common in the industry, actually. Just like you know, you start feeling like an imposter. It's like, oh, what is all this? And uh, I think that comes with just by the virtue of putting your work out there um how do you how, before we get into your worst mm -hmm. moment how do you get out of that like i know you deal with it so often <laughs> i'm just this is like a personal question how yeah. do you get out well i think similar to what we were talking about earlier before it's like realize that that's not the important most important thing mm, um you know sometimes what i have to do is go home and have the kids run towards me and i realize have like, a different perspective Whoa. yeah it's like what what on earth was i worrying about like mm, that's true uh, or like just talking to my wife and she's very good about <laughs> not making a big deal about it because she knows that I'm being ridiculous. 
she's like, oh, here we go again. Um, I mean, no, she's she's awesome, but um, I think that that that's 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 probably the main thing. And you know, like I do a lot of Christian work, and I like to, I you know, I am a Christian too, and that perspective is even more important than just like the family. It's like you know, at the end of the day. We're gonna die, <laughs> and what what is a little video or a little comment? Like there are eternal things that are worthy more of my time and worry and stress and sadness, you know. So I think like yeah, you could say keeping things in perspective is the is a helpful thing. But yeah, like I was saying, because there is like I kind of go through those waves on a fairly often basis. I feel like. Um, there's not necessarily like worst moments in in my career. There's definitely been some hard hard moments, and it's usually regarding big decisions. More so that something external. It's almost like I put myself in those positions. So, uh, for example, when I when I was about to leave Giant Ant, it was you know even though it was kind of like a dream of mine for so long, it was a terrifying thing to do. And I remember like like basically just when I was about to decide it for sure, having some huge doubts and like just a really hard time. It's like, why, why am I doing this? Are you sure that you're doing this? Like, what's your plan and all these things and realizing that it's a leap at the end. You don't really, we're just afraid of the unknown in so many ways. And um, what helped me with that again was like keeping things in perspective. It's like, well, what's the worst thing that could happen, right? Like, everything fails and I need to do Fiverr animations or <laughs> like, or do I just need to find a different career? And I'm like, even if that happens, I'll be okay with that. So, um, yeah, I think, I feel like those are, those are moments that have been incredibly challenging for me. And even just before launching the studio now, that was another, like I was going through those downs not even two weeks it was like every three days it was like so many questions and then it wasn't only like personal um doubts but it was like okay well now i'm gonna have actually people depending on me i'm gonna have like families depending on me and just added to the whole pressure right and like what if i'm not gonna be able to know how to deal with people how like or like deal with situations that are difficult and am I ready for this? Am I just being a fraud pretending that I know what I'm doing? And all these questions are like probably, you know, those two moments in my life are probably, have probably some of the most challenging career wise, because obviously there's been worse things personally and stuff, but uh, like just self self doubt, I guess. And, um, and some people come to me and say, how can, if you feel that, how can we feel that uh, right, like, right. all the more? And I'm like, and I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> We're all in the same boat here. Like, um, like it's, I feel like it's a, it's a common thing. And, and pretty much everybody I know goes through these things. And um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> no, that's a, this one's a real one though. Like Sergey and I both quit our jobs, cold turkey. So I can definitely relate to what you were saying. Sergey quit Fox Sports mm-hmm. and I quit working at Billy Graham. And so for us, it's like totally, we have both have two kids. And so you, we felt that pressure, like, wow, this is, we're putting our family in jeopardy. There's a lot at risk. Yeah. And, uh, but yeah, it's, uh, but it's interesting. Like once you last, like we've been at it for a year now, you start seeing how every month you think like, well, maybe we'll see if we get through this one, see what happens. And then the next yeah. one, you don't know. Yeah. But after like a year, you start, you start having faith that look, everything's going to be just fine. It worked out last month, the month before, and the one before that one. And it always feels like everything comes through last minute. But 
it, yeah. it just I start you start having faith in the process that look it's it's gonna be just fine. But yeah, I totally can relate to those. Every two weeks, I go through the same stuff. Yeah, I'm glad to know I'm not the only one. But no. I think what you said was what, what it's very key. I think um, you know, especially like I believe in the sovereignty of God, and uh, I had a friend who would always ask that. He would just be in the middle of a conversation, and then he was just like, "Do you believe in the sovereignty of God?" And I was, I was like, "That's such a random question." But then, like, the more I think about it, it's like. You know, I actually do believe that my life is in his hands. So all I have to do is look back to the to my entire life to know that we're going to be okay. That even the worst is it's not the worst, you know? Um, so I feel like looking back, it, it it is a very reassuring thing because, you know, you've made it thus far. No, that's so true. Now let's transition to something positive. Share your best moment in your creative journey it could be a project or just uh or anything i'd love for you to talk about your new studio and uh all that good stuff yeah i mean that is so fresh that that's definitely the first thing that comes to mind it's been kind of like a dream since i was pretty young like it was kind of like oh yeah maybe i would like to have a studio one day and you know i was probably still in high school or something um when i was starting to think about it but you know i knew there was going to be a long ways and i knew that i wasn't really i didn't really know what i was talking about so after all the stuff that i learned and you know jay and leah giant and all the stuff that they taught me and let me mess up and learn from uh, definitely gave me the confidence eventually to 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 follow that that early dream so uh, now that is a reality and you know very fresh we launched it on monday um it's uh yeah that's definitely a highlight and not only that but like even the way the team grew it was never like i'm gonna go set up and find this people it was like all with victor we started randomly working on a project and he was right out of school of motion and then we just kind of got along and then he came in vancouver for another project and it was like well want to keep working with me for something else and then eventually he was him and i and then it was a guy that we worked with before he was like if you ever need some producing help um, just let me know. And I was like, actually, we could use some help. So it was like, all right. And then and then Greg, the most recently uh, joined, it was like, he, you know, he's so talented and, you know, he could work pretty much anywhere he wanted. And the fact that he wanted to be part of this new thing, it was uh, very humbling. And all these things combined to like that launch of the studio and all this stuff that we've been able to work on. That's definitely been the highlight of my career so far, I think, because in a way, everything that has happened has led up to this, which is kind of scary to think, but very exciting too. Awesome. And in closing, I know I held you over there on time. In closing, how can people check out your studio and how can people get in touch with you? Yeah. So ordinaryfolk.co, you can find our work there. Also Instagram, Twitter, and everything. It's all ordinaryfolkco, all one word. My handles are JR Canist for everything. And yeah, anybody can just shout me an email. Jorge at Ordinary Folk Code. Ordinary Folk. There you go. <laughs> All right, Jorge. Well, listen, thank you so much for sharing your journey with us, man. I appreciate it. Oh, thank you for having me. This is a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, keep keeping with the awesome work. Hey, thank you for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed it, please feel free to share it on social media. I'd also be very grateful if you can rate, review, and subscribe to Ukraine Media Podcast on iTunes. It will only take you a few minutes, but it will help a lot in ranking this show. And it will also help other creatives discover this podcast. So, huge thank you in advance. If you have any comments or questions, feel free to email me at vladimir at ukramedia.com. And definitely check out our courses and products at ukramedia.com. As always, don't forget to join our online mentoring group on Facebook. 
Facebook at ukremedia.com slash community. We have well over 2,900 people in this group. It is a great online resource for those of you trying to grow, and it's absolutely free. Thank you so much for joining me on the journey of this podcast. I appreciate you, and I look forward to serving you in the next episode of the Ukremedia Media Podcast. Bye-bye. <laughs>